everybody. I am Joe Marcello, joined as always by my partners in comic book crime, Oren Phillips. Hey, good evening. And Mike Farah. Yo, yo, yo. We are the Dollar Bin Bandits, and you're listening to the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast. And this week, we are absolutely thrilled to bring to you our interview with someone who is probably one of the most entertaining and fun guests that we've had in a very long time. Uh, We are bringing you our interview with none other than Kevin Dooley. Uh, again, one of the creators uh, of the Green Lantern, uh, specifically the Emerald Twilight series. Uh, but what I love about him, uh, other than him being just so cool and great to talk to, is you know he tells his story of how he got to where he was. And what I love about it so much is that the fact that he said early on in his life, he wanted to work for DC Comics and he wanted to work on Green Lantern specifically and what did he do he walked into dc comics and requested a job working on green lantern specifically and that's what he did uh i don't know of anyone else who's done that i sure as hell haven't done that and i would love to yeah the other thing uh, i got to talk to him a little bit about is his time with uh, amazing heroes which was a fan magazine that was you know prior to wizard and all the work that he was doing to get that magazine out is really incredible and you'd be stunned to hear what it took to produce that magazine uh, each week. And not only was he an architect of the uh, Emerald Twilight storyline, but um, in no short order, also, um, you know, masterminded a turn in Aquaman's direction, specifically a turn towards having not a hand, but a hook. And another, you know, interesting weird 90s kind of um event uh that sometimes doesn't get its own you know get its uh get its due but uh you know kevin dooley was the guy behind that so um let's hear from him directly this is kevin dooley uh we are interviewing kevin dooley (laughs) <laughs> now really? everyone wow, hear that uh i am uh especially thrilled about that because he was very instrumental in his work on emerald twilight so there's going to be a lot of green lantern discussions so i'm giving everyone uh a heads up uh but before we get to any of that i have to ask where i ask everyone how did you get involved in comic books uh, when i was a kid my Mom would have us buy comics, my brother and I. And uh, when we would go out for a drive, she would say, take something along to read. I don't want to hear anything from you. So my brother would take five and I would take five and then we would exchange them. And um, yeah, we read constantly. We had hundreds of comic books in our apartment. And my brother used to read them to me. And I remember one time in particular, he was reading an Adam Strange done by Carmine. And uh, he was reading it. And I actually pointed to a a balloon and saying, shouldn't that balloon go over there? Shouldn't we move that? And he goes, would you just enjoy this story? And I knew from then that I was going to be an editor. Okay. And so um, I I went through life and I always wanted to be at DC Comics. Ever since I was a teenager, I wanted to be at DC Comics, not as a writer or as an artist, as an editor. And this is what I always tell, I'm teaching seventh grade English now, and I always tell my students, I wanted to edit 
Green Lantern and Aquaman. Oh, wow. And I did them both. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Eventually, um, I grew up and I grew up and uh, went to college. I became a creative director at an advertising agency and I got offered a lot of money to go to another agency. And I said, no, I'm going to go edit a comic uh, book magazine. And the woman said, oh, how much are you going to be paid? We'll, we'll match it. And I said, um, 18000 a year. And she just stopped. It was Ogilvy and Mather, which are still around, big advertising. And she said, uh, wait, do you know how much that is a week? And she went, do you know how much that is? It oh my god! And she, she goes, go ahead. And I uh, wound up being in Amazing Heroes, editing that's Amazing, amazing Heroes for uh, uh, over a year. So that's kind of how I got to uh, into comics. And then I ed- interviewed Andy Helfer for a um, an article about uh, gays in comics. And somebody had said something kind of disparaging. So I called him up and said, hey, do you want to respond to this? And he goes, yeah, 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 I want to respond to this. And I had to call him back and I called him back and I called him back. He said, hey, you ever think about working for DC? I said, yeah. you got to be kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And so I moved from California to New York in a Volkswagen with all of my uh, my clothes and two cats and what started DC. I was hired by. Dick Giordano on eight eight eighty eight. Wow! Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> and my favorite number, seriously, is eight. That because I was well. born on January seventh, which is one plus seven in nineteen fifty three. Wow! And my uh, my present school where I work, my um, my room is four oh four. <laughs> wow that's a superhero right there that yeah. is um <laughs> and, I really, those numbers. and i really liked eighth man when i was growing up so anyway um you guys know eighth man that i don't i don't it's an anime it's an anime thing okay it's anime. anyway so uh, out of, that, i have that, to say uh that out of all the people that we have interviewed so far which is i don't know 20 or some odd or more you're the first person who has said that they wanted to specifically go into comics with the purpose of being an editor for these specific characters. Everyone else mm-hmm. has more or less kind of fallen into it in some fashion. Right. Other, you know, like, oh, well, they say I should do this. And I figured oh, I'll go to New York and I'll just walk in. And, you know, <laughs> so-and-so was there. And we they're like, they just threw that, you know, they have some very um, blase, nonchalant style story. You're the first person with the, you know, kind of goal oriented mindset. I'm going to do that at DC for Green mm-hmm. Lantern and Aquaman. So, and I also wanted to be on the radio, and I was on a radio. I had my own radio show for eight, uh, 18 weeks, and I left it for a woman. <laughs> well, that's and then I also there. wanted to be an English teacher, and I am. Well, that's great. That's Seriously, awesome. all three things that I wanted to be when I was a teenager, I did them. The thing about it is, I didn't. I wasn't at DC until I was like uh, um, forty-five. Oh, so okay. it's one of those "do not give up" kind of things. I always so there's hope I, for me. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, heck, heck yeah. <laughs> heck, no, I'm serious. Yes, there is. Definitely. Not giving up. Get, yeah. Doing what you're doing is a great is a great thing. You know, having the contacts and everything like that. It, it's great. Why not? I know Oren, so that's my contact. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Our Oren said that he knew you. Yeah. Oh, uh, you but modest. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk quickly about um, Amazing Heroes because I've kind of been late to the game with that book, but it's such an important magazine because before the internet and before Wizard Magazine, Amazing Heroes was the place you went to get your news about what's going on in comics. Um, did, did the comic companies approach you guys with stories or did you have to kind of hound them a little bit to get their talent on? Actually, both. If they wanted to push something, they would call up um, Kim Thompson or myself, right. like the Millennium, when they were doing Millennium. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Invasion yep. as well. And some things that they wanted to push, they would approach us. And we also knew, you know, we had ins at DC and we would call up editors. Hey, I understand you got this or uh, coming up or we'd call up people like, you know, like, Mike Royal and uh, Frank Cho, et cetera. And do you want to be interviewed? Uh, what you got coming up? We, we had some some lines in to DC and to Marvel as well. So, um, uh, yeah, and we got a lot of stuff from the, um, what was um, from Diamond. Okay. Diamond distributors. We would read their catalog, you know, which was stuff that was coming out. We came out bi-weekly. Right. Amazing Heroes came out bi-weekly. Jeez. No sleep. No sleep. I, I I once stayed awake for 64 hours straight wow. because I had to get two issues out, and one That's was a double-sized crazy. issue. So I slept on the floor. I slept in chairs. So uh, Amazing Heroes really taught me uh, the, the finite things about e- editing, mm-hmm. uh, about proofreading, typesetting. Uh, great people there. Kim Thompson, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he was he was he was a great guy. And I met my best friend there, Dale Crane, who unfortunately passed away last year. But uh, it was it was an experience that allowed me eventually to get into DC Comics. How many people were on staff there? That's <laughs> just you, me. Wow. And there was freelancers. I was going to say, it was Stringers doing... Uh, yes, Stringers, okay. and we had an, and there was an art director. Doug Herb was my art director, but mostly, yeah, it was just people uh, doing stuff all over the place, doing uh, uh, Andy Mangles, who's yeah. uh, still up and around, and uh, Gerard, Gerard Jones, and a whole bunch of uh, uh, Dwight Decker, who's still around. But yeah, it was just people... Uh, also, they would approach us Hey, I've got an article that I want to uh, do with you or do for you. So yeah, they would approach us as well. So it was great because there was such fan- uh, Gary Groff, who was the editor in chief of uh, Fanographics. Mm-hmm. He said, "Amazing Heroes makes the money so that we can print Comics Journal." Wow. Okay. Because yeah, Amazing Heroes sold because of fandom. Comics Journal was, uh, you know, a little bit higher there, so they didn't make as much with subscriptions as Amazing Heroes. Wow. And just so people realize, and to show how impressive what you were doing, uh, Amazing Heroes was not a pamphlet that came out. This was a good size, it was like almost magazine size. I mean, it was the size of a comic, but 
it was a lot of pages worth of content. It wasn't just all ads and stuff. 64 pages every two weeks. Yep. Wow. And then we had the um, the specials that were what's coming up in the next year. And those things would be like twice the size, like, you know, 120, 130 pages. Wow. So, yeah, I'm just tired just thinking about it. <laughs> I was going to say, how did it, uh, what happened to it? I mean, what, why did it, it just, uh, was it became popular no anymore? I have no idea. Okay. I know that when I left, it went to uh, monthly. Okay. Um, and I really, seriously, I don't know what happened to it. Okay. Uh, how I got into that was that I, uh, uh, they had a thing in the editorial session said, anybody want to write for Amazing Heroes? Mm-hmm. And so I said, uh, I, I sent in a, an article. And I, an article which I printed in my last issue, it never got printed. <laughs> and then I also um, uh, made a whole bunch of suggestions for columns and for ways to improve the magazine. Right. And I talked to Kim Thompson and said, you want a job? I said, yeah. And it turns out they had somebody else for the job, somebody uh, from Canada. But Canada wouldn't let this person come into the United States because being an editor was not a legitimate occupation. Wow. I'm <laughs> slap in the face. Wow. I know I, that, it worked out for me. <laughs> Canadians are supposed to be nice. I mean, what's up with that? I don't know. Get off their case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to lead us into the Green Lantern part of this, but how did you, how did you get that gig of edit, editing Green Lantern specifically? I slept with the right people. No, wait. Uh, no. <laughs> no See, now I, this is getting good. This is- <laughs> I was uh, assistant editor to Andy Helfer, who was the guy who was in charge of all the Justice League books. Uh, Justice League, Huntress. Um, uh, but there was like four or five Justice League. That was when Justice League was funny. Mm-hmm. Or it was Justice League, Justice League Europe. Right. The quarterly. The international. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think Australia. There was a Justice League Australia. You know who I, was in charge? Buana Beast. North. Really? Yes. That's uh, Attack that's of Killer Penguins. Yes. One of the first stories that Mike McCone ever drew. Wow, um, I don't remember that. Yes, and North was in charge. And that's how you say his name, by the way. North. Not good North. Not North. North. Like so, <laughs> and so Andy also got um, Green Lantern, and so I was assistant editor on Green Lantern uh, when Keith Giffen was writing um, uh, Emerald Dawn, uh, re- which reintroduced uh, Hal Jordan. Okay, and some some miniseries, and we started that off, and eventually Andy went to Piranha uh, Press, and uh, I took over. Uh, Green Lantern, and during that time, we we're supposed to assistant editors were supposed to propose new series, and I proposed Aquaman, um, and I, I proposed it with quite a few uh, different, got a completely different uh, creative team that didn't work out, and then eventually I got Peter David on it. So that anyway, that's how I got Green Lantern was that mm-hmm. I was the assistant editor on it, and eventually took over as editor. Got it. Now, was there, um, and now we, we've spoken to Ron Mars, who uh, 
it was a great, you know, yeah, just absolutely fan. Yeah, just it was a great discussion. And you know, mm-hmm. I talked to Zeroff about Green Lantern too. So hunker okay. down. Um, so at what point do you guys decide? Okay, we need to off Hal Jordan and do it in such a grandiose manner because it's not like, you know, he doesn't get killed by Sinestro or even Mongol, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. he goes batshit, pardon the expression, Mm -hmm. um, and becomes probably one of the best bad guys, in my opinion, in a very long time, because he's got the best backstory, uh, the most compelling backstory ever because you actually, you know, he's supposed to be the, you know, he's bad at this point. He's becoming a bad guy and you feel for him. Like I, I you genuinely feel for him. That's why I always look at him as a, uh, not necessarily as a villain or a bad guy, but kind of like what you said there as a fallen hero. Yeah. Um, and what had happened was that sales on Green Lantern were going down. And so it was kind of like a, what are we going to do kind of a thing? And because they had just um, like revitalized the flash and sales had gone up. And so we want to do something radical for that. And ready? Here's where it all comes out. So there was this meeting. Uh, I actually was talking with uh, Jerry Jones, who was the writer at the time. And I said to him, listen, this is what we need to do. We need, Totally open. Think, go outside the box, whatever you want, whatever you think, you know, think crazy, think uh, um, challenging, think creative. And he came up with a pretty um, interesting idea about bringing back the guardians of the universe. They weren't around at the time. And we even did a cover for it. That was an an ad done by Kevin McGuire and um, which is probably available on the Internet somewhere. And so that was the proposal. And Archie Goodwin came into my office, stood at my window, looked down at the you know, hundreds of people going uh, on Broadway right there. And he said, not a single person down there gives a damn about what we do up here. And, I, and he looked at me and he kind of said, I hate those little blue guys. So we said how we had a large, a big meeting with everybody, uh, with all the uh, senior editors, which is Denny, Archie, Mike Carlin, myself, my assistant at the time, Eddie Braganza. And we talked about it's time to completely change everything. Writer artist and do something really radical and in this meeting we basically said how about if we do this how about if we get rid of not the guardians of the universe how about if we get rid of everybody mm-hmm. all the green lanterns have one green lantern and we talked about who could do it and ron mars was uh doing some great stuff and so we basically called up ron mars i called up ron mars and said how would you like to make a lot of money <laughs> And he said, yeah. And so we said, this is what we want to do. You know, give us a proposal for that. And um, he did. And it was 
it was amazing. And so what it was is that we, we took it from <clears throat> Hal Jordan, what kind of a character was Hal Jordan? Because for me, stories are all about character. And Hal had had some anger issues in the past. I mean, mm. the guy kept on coming up with boxing gloves. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I love how no matter how far this character goes, people come back to that. I mean, as do yeah. I, because it's it is kind of goofy, but you know, the boxing glove and the fan to blow things <laughs> away. I mean, one of the reasons why I liked uh, I've always loved Green Lantern ever since the John Broom and Gil Kane era is that Green Lantern is not only fearless, but he symbolizes imagination. In order to be a Green Lantern, you have to have a really good imagination yeah. in order to create those things uh, more than boxing gloves and fans and stuff like that. Right. And that's, I think, a lot of what uh, um, what uh, um, what Ron did was coming up with stuff, uh, amazing stuff. So, so that's what we did. We said, how can we do this? And, uh, oh, I got to tell you how Coast City was destroyed. Because that was the impetus for Hal going a little bit off the edge right. was that Mike Carlin, uh, they were doing whatever that uh, uh, was it the reign of the Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Mongol. And right. he came into my office, just leaned in my office and said, can we destroy Coast City? <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, OK. And he was gone. Yeah. And then we went from there when we were in the discussion, we went from how did that make how feel i mean granted there was that one issue with green lantern and green arrow right before uh emerald twilight that was kind of like okay we've got to have something out this month and then the next month i had to do green lantern 48 49 and 50 all at the same time wow. oh wow yes and i i gotta tell you a little personal note is that denny o'neill was teaching at the um uh creative arts uh, college in New York, and he had offered for me to take over his teaching gig there. And I said yes. And then Emerald Twilight happened. And so we had to get somebody else, which oh, wow. turned out to be Don McGregor. But I could have started teaching. I mean, I did cover some of his classes, but I could have, you know, starting my teaching career back then as well. So it was all three of those, um, those uh, issues doing at the same time and and ron was writing all three of them at the same time and it was just it was a great story about a character that's important yeah. it was about how and the pain that he felt i mean there's a lot of fans who say well what happened he didn't seem to be all that accepted upset about it in green Lantern number 46 and i go well it's ptsd it takes a little while to uh to happen. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love Hal. I, Hal is my favorite Green Lantern, with Kyle only being second because I grew up on Hal. So that's that's how it happened. It went from character. What can we do with this character to make it different? To make to shake it up? To do something with a character? That's what stories. I always believe all stories are about one character. Yeah, I, I think you guys really, you know, you shape that character very well. I mean, you made him compelling because there was a a, a period there prior to, you know, uh, Emerald Twilight where it was kind of 
and even you know before reign of the superman because you know obviously when reign of the superman happened you knew that you know that's kind of you know he went off the deep end but the character itself like many others just kind of fell into a lull didn't find the the stories you know they were cool because i always liked it but they weren't as compelling but then you know this shit shook it up yeah and i i will venture to say even though i'm a big superman fan that i found what happened to hal and the whole story arc and his eventual rebirth more compelling than superman because superman you knew being that it was superman you knew that it was it was somewhat short-lived even though he wasn't in the comics for like a year right um and there was you know everything around it like how did he die and what happened and all these four characters coming back and all that which was cool uh but Hal Jordan wasn't seen or heard from for what 10 years or more? I mean, a long, long time, years. Yeah, we, and we, then we, he started trickling in through various other story as arcs. Par- as parallax. But parallax. Yeah, and and then he and- then he dies in zero hour. No, I'm sorry. He he causes zero hour. He dies in final night, giving his life for the sun. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he comes back as the specter and et cetera, et cetera. But like, man, I have never felt for a character more than I did for him because it's like, you know, he just was on this constant, you know, um, path of redemption or trying to redeem himself. And then, you know, there's a whole rebirth thing, which, you know, I could talk your ear off about that forever. But um, well, uh, if, I, if I may, one of the things that we uh, we did with with Hal one one of what I think is the most important lines for Hal during Emerald Twilight was when the um, he tried to bring back Coast City, mm-hmm. and the Guardian said, uh, "You you know you're you're going against what you're supposed to do for uh, with the ring is you're not just supposed to use uh, the ring for personal gain." And Ron wrote, "What about for personal loss?" And to me, that said everything about how was that this really affected him no. um, that. And if you notice, I, I, if I may disagree with you a little bit, just in as much as I don't think it's co- it's really him going off the deep end so much as the fact that he wanted to bring back Coast, Coast City. The little blue guys wouldn't me- uh, wouldn't let him. So it's kind of right. like you I'm going to bring, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something to change this. And right. yeah, there is that kind of, uh, um, pain that he yeah. was going through rather than, you know, he didn't really go crazy or insane. He really, he didn't go crazy or insane. Honest. He didn't go crazy or insane. <laughs> Best cover ever. Yeah. Which, uh, which I just, they, they redid it. I understand they redid oh. this few times uh, with yeah. all the different colored rings too. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. So I, I just want to say that that's, like I said, Oh, it always, always comes down to character. And uh, so, so there go. Was there, what, uh, so at that early age, uh, uh, early stage, excuse me, of um, Definitely the decision. Was early age. I was <laughs> quite a few, look, I was quite a bit younger, Sonny. <laughs> <With her hands. laughs> Um, did you guys have like a, a built-in out in case this story didn't really uh, pan out with the uh, 
with the with the comic readers? Of course not. <laughs> no, no, we were we were going all in. We were going all in. As a matter of fact, we talked uh, talked with Mike Carlin about what you were saying about not bringing Hal back mm-hmm. for quite a while. So the impact was there. Was this shit has changed? Yeah, like what you said, and I agree with you. With Superman, uh, Superman's going to come back. Right, Kal-El is going to come back, and then you have we completely got rid of Hal Jordan. And I used to say, um, what are they up to in Green Lantern next? And uh, uh, you know about me being the most hated man in comics, right? No. Yeah, I was at, before all this happened, as it was in the planning stages, as I was editing all this stuff, I went to, I think it was San Diego. And at San Diego, I was interviewed. And they said, what's going on with Green Lantern? And I said, I can't tell you, but what I can tell you tell you is that I will be known as the most hated man in comics. <laughs> and they were, oh wow, what is that? And, and sure enough, sure enough. Wow. Got, yes. Well, I mean, I think at this point it was uh, you know, you, you took your lumps in that sense, but man. It was uh, it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it's uh, I I will say. I mean, even into um, everything that happened with Kyle, absolutely adore that character because mm-hmm. Kyle came. Like I've followed that character from the time I got into comics up until now. I mean, I still read it, and you know, very few characters out there. You know, there are very few out there that people can say that. Yes, from the the point that this character was created through its long existence up mm-hmm. until now, I have followed him because you look, D- Superman, um, Batman, they've been around since you know forever. You have even Marvel characters, Spider Man, Iron Man, all of them. They've been around for a long time. You know, Kyle is relatively new in the grand scheme, and he's had so much. Um, happened to him and he's re just kind of he's had a rebirth as they say in green lantern but i mean he's uh he's changed over the years and all these different incarnations have been just fascinating right um and met i met fans who said that kyle is their green lantern this was a few years ago kyle is is their green lantern and they didn't know about how they started reading during the kyle era Right. And they thought Kyle was Green Lantern. Right. Well, you know, that's that's like, you know, the few people, probably 10 of them who came in during New 52 and said, this is my Superman. But they were just mm-hmm. grossly mistaken. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's a shoot. Um, so was there this um, you killed off, you got rid of the Green Lantern Corps, you have Kyle. And then there was um, this slow trickle of reintroducing all of the, not all of, but all the main characters uh, Mm -hmm. of the Green Lantern Corps. And um, what I always found interesting was uh, Guy Gardner Mm -hmm. and his change to Warrior. Right. Um, What's up with that? (laughs) Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because that was that was unique. What happened was that at the time um, of Emerald Twilight, 
we had Green Lantern, we had Green Lantern Mosaic, we had Guy Gardner, we had the Green Lantern uh, Quarterly. And this is the other big risk that they took of Green Lantern as they were basically canceling Green Lantern Mosaic and Green Lantern Quarterly, which were not selling great, but were not selling bad either. So um, eventually, eventually we said, okay, let's, Guy isn't going to be a Green Lantern anymore, but we want to continue the book because he's so popular. Mm. So it was called Guy Gardner for the longest time. And then... Um, and he had Sinestro's ring, as I recall. Mm-hmm. He had just a leather coat. You know, he had somehow he got Sinestro's ring and he was more or less a Green Lantern, but he just made yellow right. boxing gloves. After, but in <laughs> <laughs> fam, in fam. In fam. Um, and whatever shovels. Or maybe the, like but, a woman. He made like a yellow woman because yeah. that was his thing. But, you know. But for, for Guy, we wanted him to have his own identity. And I remember uh, handing over the reins of, of Guy Gardner, which is what it was called at the time, to uh, uh, my sitchin, Eddie Baganza. Uh, and he got uh, a Bo Smith, the great Bo Smith, who, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is that? Uh, um, why, he uh, created Winona Earp. Um, you guys know about Winona Earp? It's a it's a series. It was a comic. Now it's a series. It's great. I remember hearing the series. Yeah, uh, I didn't know it was a comic before. Yeah, though. and uh, and Chuck Dixon, and so they were the ones who recreated Guy as Warrior, because okay. that was kind of what he was. That they wanted to make him uh, a much more powerful uh, person in of in and of himself. So, and also to distance him somewhat from uh green lanterns and andy helfer once again come can you know you know guy gardner is a name for a comic is a stupid name because <laughs> <laughs> it, you're it's like calling something clark something clark Kent. now that would be great a clark kent series and a bruce wayne series <laughs> anyway so they event it then it was guy gardner warrior then eventually it was warrior and uh, it's still so. I had Brad um, uh, Mitch Mitch Bird as a fantastic artist, fantastic artist on Guy Gardner, and so that's how it it segued um, segued out of that. So I'd like to tell you a little story about the Comics Code, real quick. Sure. Green, Green Lantern number fifty. Okay. Green Lantern number fifty. Um, remember when he went <laughs> to Sinestro's uh, house? Yes. 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 That both Ron and I agree that was the turning point for how that was a choice he made to kill somebody. Yes, he killed uh, Kilowog, but uh, because the, the Guardians was throwing everything at him, he said, Oh my gosh, these are all my friends coming at me. So more trauma. And when he killed Sinestro, Ron had originally written when he broke Sinestro's um, uh, neck. He was walking away, and he had uh, Ron had written "bastard," and the comics code didn't approve it. <laughs> that one word, that one damn word, and Ron came up with a phenomenal word, "damn," because he realized he had changed. That it wasn't Sinistro's fault with the bastard, but "damn," and the comics code approved it. And I think that was another. Just phenomenal thing. It was a big balloon with just the word damn in it. But because, and thanks, 
to the comics code, which doesn't does it exist anymore, gentlemen? Does I don't think it exists, does it? Well, I think it exists, but the but Marvel and DC no longer subscribe to those beliefs, <laughs> basically. A whole bunch of uh, I was sort of whole bunch of blue haired old ladies, you know, yeah. knitting in their uh, yeah. basement saying, I think this is terrible. Yeah, it's Al Gore's wife. After she was done <laughs> complaining about rap music, she was complaining about comics. Oh, <laughs> so. yes. Hipper Gore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, you, so you, you know, you, as you, you talk, I've read the issue so many times that Orrin has there that, you know, I can, I picture the panels in my head. So that head snapping um, moment, it just, it resonates with me because, um, you know, him and Sin- uh, Hal and Sinestro are having a conversation at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just when, you know, Sinestro is about to finish his sentence that he snaps his neck. And I found that um, just, I was like, oh God, wow, that was so deep. That was also, uh, I think Ron and I had a discussion about it. That was also the ultimate insult of the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Was they were sending all these people who were uh, part of the core and they had to follow the Guardians' uh, orders. But then the Guardians brought back Hal's greatest enemy. Mm-hmm. And that was the greatest insult to me. How dare you bring back my greatest enemy? And I want to do this thing for good, you know? And so, um, anyway, that again, a character thing. Uh, real quick about sales. Yes. Sales of Green Lantern number. 50 and 51, and I don't know about 52, outsold Superman and Batman that month. Wow. Wow. So they, good job, Dooley. Yeah. <laughs> There's a glow in the dark cover, too. Yes. 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 I have a, uh, no, I think I have 51. I have a t shirt with, uh, with Kyle on it. And my lady, she got me a mask, mm-hmm. a mask that has the cover to 51 on it with Kyle. Oh, that's, oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Had somebody make it. So, so I have to ask, um, you know, a lot of people when, um, you know, they're heavily involved in a character and for whatever reason, you know, they move on in their careers or or to another character. Um, I always ask if they keep up with kind of what has happened uh, since. And, uh, you know, obviously people have different reasons for not doing so but do you still kind of keep up with uh the characters that you've been involved with it's still being printed yeah yeah oh wow yeah (laughs) what's happened no actually i did for a little while and then i got just got so busy i was i was going to college and i was working two jobs and i got a lot of stuff that just piled up and i Tried to le- read uh, Blackest Night when it came out, but uh, to be honest, and it, it's not no disparagement. I love Jeff Johns, and um, I, I, I and I, I just didn't have the time to keep up. I wanted to, I really wanted to, but I I just couldn't uh, with all the stuff that I had going. I remember uh, meeting Jeff Johns when one time at a signing, and I didn't know he was signing. I was just at this comic store. And, uh, Hey, Kevin, Hey, how you doing? I'm like that. And he asked me, he goes, um, listen, um, I got something to tell you. I go, okay. He goes, we're, we're bringing back Hal as <laughs> green lantern. I went, okay. Is it a good story? And he said, yeah, it's a great story. And I go, it's fine. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm looking forward to reading it. 
because yeah. it's story, all about story, you know, so story and character. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I haven't, I mean, I've got, there are my comics, there are my graphic novels over there and uh, everything like that. So I still do keep up with it. And uh, as a matter of fact, I use graphic novels and individual comics and stuff like that in my English class as well. Oh, and um, uh, one of the things that I use is my one Batman story that I wrote for the kids to show a character about Alfred. And so uh, uh, you wrote that, Mr. Julie? <laughs> yes, I did. So um, I didn't keep up with it just because of time. It's not because I didn't want to. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, What I appreciate about uh, with the work that Jeff Johns did is that he did his homework and mm-hmm. went back to all the stuff that had come before him, including everything that you were a part of and before that. And really the most finite thing that was mentioned or portrayed or, you know, uh, in any way, shape or form in the comic, he did his homework mm-hmm. and he incorporated it later on. So the fact that, you, you know, and I don't see this as any slight on anything that came before it, because I think the fact that he included this stuff or m- made a mention of it in some form really is a testament to your work is that, you know, when he, the snapping of Sinestro's neck, mm-hmm. you come to find out that, well, it wasn't really Sinestro, that it was a construct by his own psyche or something to that effect, which mm-hmm. I don't, <clears throat> I mean, it's a bit really. Cold. Well, something along those lines, something along those lines, because obviously rebirth happens and who else, who is there, but Sinestro. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But, you know, that's a way of kind of redeeming Hal Jordan to a hero status, even though he was supposedly killed someone. Well, he didn't actually kill someone. This is what happened. (laughs) Um, But at any rate, um, I'm done gushing about Green Lantern, Orin. Oh, I I do have to say, though, uh, Uh, Carl Story, who I love. I love Carl Story. He's a great guy. And I always like to say when people say, you killed Hal Jordan. I go, no, I didn't. Carl Story did. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the one that killed uh, him in the, uh, the um, uh, what was the Sinestro one? Um, then uh, uh, Something of Night. The Sinestro cross- crossover. Oh, the when, Sinestro Corp War? Uh, yeah, when uh, um, how sacrificed himself into the sun. Oh, blackest night. Blackest no, no, night. Yeah. No, 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 not fi- fi- final night. Final night. Final night. Yes. I, um, that's when Hal did it. And I always like to say, oh, I didn't do it. Carl Story did. <laughs> <laughs> I just made him into a uh, a fallen hero, not a villain. Fallen. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I want to uh, talk a little bit now about uh, Aquaman. Uh, it was kind of been a hot potato of a character. He had some uh, starts and stops. For you, when you get into this, in your mind, what works with the character and what doesn't work with the character? Um, what doesn't work with the character, I find, is when they make him too small. Okay. When they, uh, I mean, I love the the personal stuff that Peter David put him through, mm-hmm. but. I see him as a much bigger, much more powerful character than a lot of people have portrayed him. That, you know, the whole, remember the whole thing about he had, 
he couldn't be out of water for more than an hour. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And I was the opposite of Aquaman. If I ate a hot dog, I had to wait an hour before going and swimming. <laughs> Do you remember that? Did your mom ever say that to you? Yes. Yes. You cannot yeah. eat. Uh, you have to wait a half hour before uh, going into the pool. Which well, my mom you, used to say it's all according to what you eat. If you eat a hot dog, chips and a Coke, you got to wait an hour. <laughs> and I, I seriously, when I was a kid, they, I go, oh, I'm like Aquaman, the opposite of Aquaman. Ooh. <laughs> but um, I mean, I always thought of Aquaman as being incredibly powerful, incredibly, incredibly fast and um, kind of an environmentalist just as much as considering the uh, the earth is covered three quarters of water that 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 is that's his fucking kingdom right dude he's the most powerful uh monarch on earth right. he should be at every un he should be at every g7 um so not getting too deeply into politics right. but there was a lot of people who um made him too small uh I, and i i love the the stuff that uh that peter did with him uh peter challenged him i yeah i had to peter told me what would, what he was going to do with aquaman you know cutting off his hand right. and everything like that and uh again it's about character how does that affect the character right. and peter came up with a fantastic he's looking at his two sides his two uh both mortal and uh i mean both human and atlantean right and so that's what i see where people don't don't take him to another level about how really freaking powerful this guy is. Right. You know, he's, let's face it. He's been a joke for so long. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, do you think the, the whole, you know, uh, surfing on two dolphins or using a squid to stop, you know, Lex Luthor, you know, did, I know that's sort of what he would do in the ocean. Those are the ocean creatures, <laughs> but it kind of made him, like you said, kind of a goof. When you see Superman, you know, moving planets and he has like a jellyfish attacking someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Eccentric rings. <laughs> um, but again, uh, I remember some wonderful writers on Aquaman where they did a lot of research mm-hmm. and they had uh, more t- of him. If he was communicating with the uh, 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 the, the fish, you know, how much more there is in the oceans. Right. Um, but what Peter did with him was very, very incredibly personal, yeah. incredibly personal for, uh, for Arthur. And so that's where I see, uh, the problem with Aquaman is that, that people restrain him. Yeah. Uh, riding on dolphins, but what can those dolphins do? Right. You know, what, uh, you, you got a freaking whale <laughs> and the whales can take over New York, New York, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, didn't they do a, a, an Aquaman story where like San Diego sunk or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it became Sub Diego. No, it did not. Yes, it did. That was the name of it. Sub Diego. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You know, hey, look, I didn't write it. I just read it. I see nothing. <laughs> but, the, you know, it was all fixed. Oh, for, okay. I forget oh, I was how. Worried. I was I forget worried. How. Yeah, no. Yeah. You're, you're. I know you're going to lose sleep over the the fake characters that were created for comic books. They're actually going to. I knocked off my glasses. Here I am. so excited. I got so excited about Sub Diego. I wow. What did they still? Uh, 
did they still have the Comic Con underwater? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, did they- there was all this. There was so much more space for the convention. Now you had everything floating. You know, <laughs> there was. Yeah, that was a, that was a big thing. Like it, it was, uh, um, and I don't remember the full story because it, it's been a while. But um, it, <laughs> the the people of San Diego, subject whatever the hell, um, they <laughs> through some thing that happened, they started to they became like New Atlantis in the okay. sense that they could you know breathe and live underwater. Okay. Um, and then there was there was some event that happened. And it may have been actually Infinite Crisis or something like that that kind of wiped out that whole thing because that was right. one of those crisis issues where things got rebooted. When uh, uh, just to go back to Aquaman at the beginning was that what Peter was doing wonderfully is you know showing Aquaman's two sides mm-hmm. is that when we were going to uh, chop up his hand and replace it with a hook, uh, uh, Paul Levitz at the time said. Uh, kind of like you can't do it. Give us some validation. What are you going to do with it? And um, so I went back, talked it over with Peter. Peter gave me some uh, great reasons what he was going to do with Aquaman. And I went back to Paul and you know fought for what Peter was going to do. And Peter did a great job. Hundred percent. Any backlash off of that from fans? I became the most hated underwater editor <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yes, there was. Uh, the there is, uh, I mean, like I said about uh, about Hal and about Aquaman, uh, fans get so attached, and I'm still so attached to all these uh, things that yeah, it it hurts them personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, uh, I remember one writer. I won't mention his name, but one very famous writer came up to me at a convention after Emerald Twilight, and he said, just came up to me and said, thank you for destroying my childhood. <clears throat> to which I said, hey, anything I can do to help you grow up. <laughs> he walked away in a huff. So. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, I mean, I always liked Aquaman. Aquaman is a tough sell. He is a tough sell it because is. he's got such a stigma about him of, of being this hilarious character. Right, uh, his joke. So, did the, I think? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I just want to ask real quick. Uh, after you know, the, he loses the hand and gets the hook. Did sales go up? Yes. Okay. Yes, it did. <clears throat> and uh, what's interesting is the fact that we relaunched Aquaman for the. Oh, I I, I blew the minds of uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to stop start Aquaman with the number right after the number when it was last canceled. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah, like 68. I wanted to start it with 69 or 70, what it was. Marketing. No, it's got to be a number one. It's got to be a number one. So, um, yes, sales did go up, but we were just starting at the time as well. Okay. And the challenge was, what do you do uh, after that? Okay, got the hook. Then it became a, um, not a psychotic hook, but uh, a hook that was run by Aquaman's man with yeah. mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then Peter raised Poseidonus. Remember that? When it was in a dome and it was hovering above the ocean. Oh, yeah. And I actually talked in our building at DC. There was a, um, a company that made snow globes. 
<laughs> and I actually talked to them about doing a Poseidonist snow globe. Oh, uh, I, you know, and you would have an Aquaman and Mira and a Topo would be, you know, swimming all around it and it never went anywhere. Uh, I know. I know. We're all going, oh, I would <laughs> so want that. That would have been very fresh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, DC needs to get their act together when it comes to their stuff. Like they don't have enough like things, you know, their replicas and whatnot, because I got plenty of Marvel crap. Mm-hmm. But I need way more DC. <laughs> yeah. DC and a, a smaller DC one. Well, wait, hold on a second. I, 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 come on, come on with me, gentlemen. Come on, let's go. All right. Come on with me. Okay. Ugh. That's the sound of an old man right there. <laughs> Here in my hallway. Hey, I had some of those. I've got a whole bunch of uh, total, total justice, justice stuff that. Uh, um, Paul Levitz gave to me. Let's see if I can one more thing that I have. There's my my Green Lantern piggy bank right there. Oh, I have that. I'm trying to find one thing. Sorry, I got really excited. I have that. <laughs> find. Do you remember that Kyle uh, had an apartment above <clears throat> Radu's Cafe? Remember Radu's? It was a coffee house. Yes, coffee place. They made a cup with the symbol for Radu's ca- Cafe on it. Oh, really? It. And I think I'm the only one. You guys should check it out. It's a great cup. It's a fantastic design, thanks to Daryl Banks, I, which I, I doubt he ever got a penny for. <laughs> Wish I had but known that. I, we would have asked him about that. <laughs> I completely am. Yeah. He came up with the, uh, he and I came up with, with the symbol and, uh, uh, Radu and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, one thing I want to say about uh, something you said earlier in regards to slowly trickling back the stuff for, uh, um, you know, the old stuff of Green Lantern after Kyle took over. Yeah. One of the wonderful things that I liked about what um, what Ron did was that Ron uh, paid homage to the fa- uh, past, but Always moved forward, always moved forward because, uh, well, Mike Carlin once said, every issue can be somebody's last issue and every issue can be somebody's first issue. So you always got to keep it interesting for somebody who picks it up and go, oh, this is story and I understand these characters. And that's one of the wonderful things about Ron is that Ron kept things going forward, always new stuff. Always new stuff. So, yeah, no, I, that makes sense. I mean, I I appreciated that, like for what you said. I mean, they paid homage to what came before it, and they really they made me like the characters more this time around. Not that I didn't like them before, but I had way more of an appreciation for them um, going forward. I mean, like at that when they brought John Stewart back, he was paralyzed from the waist down. And he and the one of the things that uh, the first thing that Kyle did when he became Ion was to heal him. Right. He just walks into his apartment. He sits down and he's like, hey, look, I found out that the reason why you can't actually walk anymore is because there is some the reasoning was kind of convoluted but in the world of comics it's fine it was like some residual (laughs) green lantern thing in his back and it was cutting off you know whatever and he's like well you know 
if I could do it, you know, if it were gone, I, I would walk again. He goes, well, I fixed it the second I walked in here. So you could walk. It's up to you now. And, you know, he builds himself back up and, you know, he was a badass. Um, wonder, uh, was there any backlash for that just because you have a disabled character and then all of a sudden by magic, the uh, uh, disabled character is better as opposed to uh, a lot of people who are disabled who, who don't have that option. In other words, giving, uh, uh, not tribute, but giving, uh, making it sincere that people can't be, uh, right. be healed just like that. It, they didn't. I, I don't recall that. I, I, I honestly don't recall any um, real, any, uh, any, any type of backlash for anything. The only time I heard any type of uh, media outcry, and it wasn't an, really any outcry, it was when uh, it, it made media coverage, is when um, Kyle's uh, friend, who was gay, right. got, got beat up. Right. I and that. I had, up until that point, I was able to get every single issue of that comic, and that one sold out. And for years, I couldn't, I couldn't find it anywhere until I was finally able to get one later on. But, you know, that made news because that was a big deal. And a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, in the gay community really appreciated that story because of, you know, kind of what it covered. And um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I don't remember it. You know, that's, you know, any issues being. Uh, I don't know whether or not I should tell backlash. you guys this. Should I tell you this? Please. Yeah, please. Let that, please, please. It was an issue of. Uh, Green Lantern, which we had Green Lantern and uh, um, uh, who was the um, not Speedy, but um, Arsenal. When, was there a new Green Arrow, a young Green Arrow, or was it still Connor Hawk? Yes, Connor Hawk. Connor yep. Hawk was trying to find himself. We actually had a page. I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble or not, but you guys are going to love this. There was a page of Green Lantern. Connor was was questioning himself and everything like that. And I remember something like that. And Connor kissed Kyle. I don't remember that, but and I remember he, because they they said no. This this really doesn't fit the character. We don't need this kind of press. Oh, because of one page that would that's going to over. Uh, kind of overwhelmed the story but i remember the uh, ron had written a great uh, line was that uh connor kissed kyle and said i don't know if i'm gay or not but it sure isn't you <laughs> I, yeah i i remember that there was some questioning of his identity right. personally in the comics um but i don't remember i don't remember anything really happening with that Right. I think as our, we, we did take out the, the page, uh, Paul Pelletier uh, probably still has the page and he probably he could probably sell it by, for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Wow. You know, here's Kyle kissing Connor. But I, that, I totally agreed with the, uh, the decision of, you know, it would be too distracting huh. for the story. That was a character that I don't think really was uh, had enough of a, a chance. Yeah, because yeah. they brought him in basically. They brought in a, a young Oliver Queen because that's what he was, just a young mm -hmm. Oliver Queen. Right. 
And before you know it, old Oliver Queen was back. Right. And, you know, you had Connor Hawk still kind of floating around out there, but they never, they never really fleshed out that character too much, as I recall. Well, it was kind of cool. had a, um, a lot of fun with how, oh, why have we not talked about women in refrigerators? <laughs> Go for it, Joe. You know, I have asked that question to many a person on this show so far. And uh, I have to tell you, I was terrified to ask. Uh, we, 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 have, we had one woman on our show, June Brigman. Pleasure to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I brought it up to her because um, I wanted a, a, a female opinion on it. And right. up until that moment, she didn't really, she never heard the term. Then we spoke to Ron Mars and I was like, all right, I got to ask him. I got to ask him. And I was terrified to ask him because I didn't know how he would respond to it because this is something that was a pivotal moment in his, in, in the Green Lantern story that he wrote. And it has gone on to have a negative connotation um, again for, you know, make-believe characters, but still, um, you know, I didn't know if he would have any also, kind of. Wasn't it also? It's been mentioned in so many and places. Again, yeah, right. And it's been mentioned even by uh, uh, by um, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so yes. So I, I brought it up to him, and he was just a pleasure to talk to about it. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated his point of view on it, and he was totally fine with it. And he. What did you? Uh, what did you say? She really well, she didn't really know what I was talking about at first. Okay. And I had to kind of, you know, explain it. And I was really kind of scared to do so because I wanted to be respectful of her as a woman in discussing it. Um, but she really didn't as I and correct me if I'm wrong, Orin, she didn't really have much of an opinion on it other than she understood the the reasoning behind it because you know, the heroes kind of needed that that push in that sense. And up until that point, you know, women were that um, that jumping off point for the hero to kind of, you know, give them their 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 push and to become a hero um, to, be, to be take this take this shit seriously. Yeah. Right. Like they were the Uncle Ben moment for a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was that. And. I'm kind of I'm really glad you brought it up. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I knew from the beginning, Ron and I talked about when we uh, introduced Alex that eventually this would be his her her fate. So right. it was all part of the story from from the beginning uh, as an impetus for him to take this seriously. So. Uh, the fact that his it has become this trope of, um, and I'm I agree with not using women as impetus for heroes, you know, by killing them by you know, whatever. However, that they shouldn't be used for that. They, should, I mean, Alex was a great character, right? Um, but because of the story and because of Kyle needing to have his face slapped and saying this, you know, this is not a joke anymore. Uh, so it was necessary for that. I think it's it's terrible the way that uh, some female characters are treated as just, you know, toys to move around. 
I mean, yeah. hey, Lois Lane was like that for decades, right? right. She was just there for right. uh, Superman to be uh, uh, the damsel in distress kind of a thing. So, but she never fact, actually died. Like no, right. nothing ever really happened to her. Right. You know, she was tied up or she was captured, and you know, Superman would come busting through the wall, save her, or everything. Oh, Superman! You know, <laughs> um, but you know that, and it was it was brutal. It was a real brutal, like. You know, it was kind of like Saw style. You know, they shove her in a fridge. Um, uh, well, in regards to the, uh, Lois Lane, Lois Lane, Superman did not need to become. He did not need to save Lois in order to become right. more Superman, right. as opposed to Kyle needing something to shake him into. Uh, you know, this isn't a joke. This is stuff to, for you to take seriously. Yeah. Uh, so he needed that. And uh I think it's we had we created the character in order to do that for him as part of the storyline. Yeah. But if somebody just does it, uh, you know, creates the character and says, "Oh, and we're going to ca- create a uh, a woman that will just throw away," I legitimately felt I, I loved Alex, yeah. and I don't I I'm, I don't think he went right to to Donna Troy after that. No, but, I mean she he kept the, I mean her character. Uh, kept coming up in the comics over mm-hmm. many issues. I recall. Oh, as... that, part of that was because the the editor of the Titans said we need we need Donna Troy back, uh, so we had to write her out of Green Lantern in order for her to go either back to Wonder Woman or back to uh, uh, to Teen Titans. So we said, okay, well, we we'll get somebody else. Let me tell you about that scene. <clears throat> that scene originally was much more gruesome that's scene, what ron mentioned yes <laughs> yeah, it, it was open the, the door was opened a lot yeah and it it had to go to press it had to go to press and i i think it might have been the comics code again and so they had we had to redraw the refrigerator much closed so you could only see a, a small portion you could see like Alex's leg or something like that. And you're looking at the guy who redrew the refrigerator door. Really? You, you yeah, draw a nice fridge. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kid, you got a future drawing fridge. Hey. You're like, like you know, the Maytag Daryl <laughs> didn't have time. Uh, production really doesn't like to, uh, couldn't do it in time. So I just sat there, you know, at seven o'clock or eight o'clock and drawing this, uh, this fridge. So uh, and it went out the like the next day to print. Wow! So wow, that's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, that that's really interesting. <laughs> um, I I want to ask because I want to be mindful of your time, but I have to ask about um, you spent time uh, working on Mister Miracle. Yes. How was that? Was there any pressure working on a Kirby character, especially? you know, a, a new gods Kirby character. Well, I remember I was an editor of Mr. Miracle. Okay. And then I was a writer of Mr. Miracle. Right. So as the editor, we pretty much had free reign. Doug Mensch was insane and say, Hey, let's have, um, I've gotten some complaints from people saying that that could have been a great, but much better uh, series if there were more villains. And I remember he had the noodle. Uh, Mr. Miracle fought the noodle. Um, and uh, okay, uh, it was a lot of tongue in cheek, a lot of tongue in cheek, uh, for that. So, 
no, there wasn't really any uh, um, pressure for that when I wrote Mr. Miracle, there was. Okay. Uh, because uh, John Byrne was coming in to do New Gods. Okay. And um, so I, there was a, a big meeting with, uh, I think it was Archie Goodwin, John Byrne, myself, uh, and a few other people about, they were asking me, what are you going to do with, with Mr. Miracle? And I said, well, there's a lot of questions that uh, Kirby never answered that I'd like to answer to make uh, Scott better, uh, a better character. And uh, John Byrne said, kind of saw himself as the uh, person who knew everything about Kirby and about the, uh, the fourth world. And so I asked these questions, who is Scott's mother? What is Scott's real name? Scott How come he's the only God without any powers? So uh, I wanted to slowly have him as the opposite of dark side. The dark side had, what are those rays that come from dark side's eyes? The, the omega beams. Omega beam. Well, Scott was going to have the alpha beams. That whereas dark side destroyed, um, Scott was going to, uh, heal. Okay. Hmm. So, uh, and also Scott free is not his name. Granny goodness gave him that name. Cause he would get away scot free. Yes, exactly. And he kept on escaping <coughs> from the orphanage. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wanted to bring out all these aspects of, of Scott and, uh, supposedly the sales were not well. And they came in and said, we need you to end Mr. Miracle, and said, okay, I can end it at next issue. And they said, no, ended this issue. Wow. Oh, wow. So I did get to play a little bit with that. Uh, Scott did get to meet his mother right. uh, when he descended into uh, their version of Hades. Mm -hmm. But um, so that was, that was it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Mr. Miracle is one of my favorite characters. It I was. like, I like that character. I yeah. really do. He's, um, I, he's really one of the only new gods other than dark side that really is a reoccurring right. character every once in a while orion shows up and maybe right. calabac but you know mr miracle is, has been a part of the justice league he's been you know he's been around and 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 i got to write they we're we're behind in uh deadlines and so paul kupperberg who was a great guy fantastic writer and he was a my editor at the time and said, okay, I need you to write half of the, uh, of the book to be one story and half of the book to be another story. So I had big Barda uh, wrestling with wonder woman in the first half. And then I had um, Scott dealing with abuse, the abuse that he suffered under granny goodness uh, at the orphanage. So it had to do with domestic abuse and child abuse. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it was, you know, with all humility, I think it was a really, really great story. Yeah. And it was drawn by Marshall Rogers and Terry Austin. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh! <laughs> Damn. Damn. Oh. <laughs> when, when I saw the pages, uh, Paul brought them to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got, I got uh, Marshall Rogers and Terry Austin. It was like... <laughs> 
That's how um, Oren is when he tells me, hey, I got Kevin Dooley and Ron Mars and Daryl Banks. That's right. Those guys. Those guys. Triad. <laughs> <laughs> the triad, yeah. We are members of Heat. Do you know what Heat is? No. That's what my dog is in right now. Oh, hey. <laughs> Sorry. <now>. Sorry. <laughs> there, there was a, a group, Hal's Emerald Attack Team, H-E-A-T. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that they made to try to bring back Hal and they hate Ron Mars. They hate Kevin Dooley. They don't hate <laughs> Daryl Banks. But and then they uh, uh, changed it to Hal's Emerald uh, Allegiance team or something like that. Okay. But Ron and I got members. We were card carrying members of Heat. So awesome. yeah, okay. I hate that Kevin Dooley and Ron Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Ron, um, Ron is great. Yeah, yeah. He's supposed to do a a signing in our neck of the woods. Uh, well, it got rescheduled. It's supposed to be this weekend, but due to some storms we had in the area, it had to get rescheduled. So, oh, were you in the path of Ida? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where are you guys? Look, where we're in New York. Oh, so, okay, New York. Yeah, you know, we it, it oh wasn't my. like it wasn't like full hurricane at that point. We got all like the bands of rain, so like we have a significant amount of flooding and various yes. parts of the area so i saw the waterfalls in in the subway yeah dude <laughs> yeah that was bananas the, the, the funniest thing there was a someone shot video of a rat that was swimming in the water no yes and <laughs> I, i'm not and it's legit swimming not like this thing is trying to like kick to survive this yeah. thing is actually swimming and spinning around and like enjoying itself. It's like that damn rat that like stole the pizza and people were well, fascinated by it. Any rats floating on pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw people in cars floating on, uh, yeah, on the road. So tragic. It was you guys are all safe. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Thankfully. Thankfully, everyone around here is safe. My and kids first day of okay. school got canceled and I hate it. But, you know, <laughs> why, why, why do you hate the fact that his first day of school got canceled? Because of Ida? No, no, no. My kid's first day of school was supposed to be today and it got canceled. And I had so many things I wanted to do today. Oh, <laughs> uh, how, how old is your is your kid? Uh, we I have a twin five year old boy and girl. Uh, so they start first grade where they're supposed to. But, you know, it'll be next week. It's fine. Well, but. I have twins. I have twin girls who oh, wow. uh, in day, who tomorrow turned 41. Oh, I, I, wow. that was a great. Joe, that was a great face. Thank you for that face. <laughs> what? So you were 15 when you had kids? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say. I had them prenatally. <laughs> I have five grandkids. Oh, you'll get there. Joe, you'll oh. get there. I'm not. But, uh, well, I want any question. Any question. No question. It's off limits. I've let, seriously, gentlemen, I've let a lot of things uh, be known here in this interview. I figure, what are they going to do? What are they gonna do to me? Huh? Nothing. I'm just gonna Nothing. stroke your ego another hour if I could. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, what what is DC gonna do to me when I say, uh, yeah, oh. we had Kyle and Connor kissing, or we had uh, uh, the refrigerator open, or you know, whatever. Or what, we uh, don't have that big of a following yet, so you know, <laughs> when we do, you know, that then <laughs> if we get any blowback, then I'll be like, holy crap, we're actually doing something. Um, uh, I hope that see, I went back to teaching i you know i've been teaching for three weeks okay. and we've already had at least four kids come down with covid oh, wow. so they were all 
quarantined at home. So I had to do lesson plans for the kids in class as well as uh, for the kids who are at home. So they don't do any type of quarantining for the remaining children in the class? No, they don't. Nor they do do they do it for the teacher. I was the wow. either. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But wow. my, my lady is so wonderful. I got shields all around my desk. I've got you know wipes, I've got the masks and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, it's great to be back. All last year I was teaching from home. It's great to be back in the classroom. It really is. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm glad you're able to breathe mm-hmm. through a mask, a sigh of relief in that sense, because, you know, it, it was it was a hell of a year. I mean, I know uh, we have, Orrin and I have a number of friends who are teachers and just, you know, we, we speak to them weekly, either by Zoom or whatever, and just you'd see the stress building on their faces each week. And yeah. it's, um, you know, it, it's... Um, we commend you and them, obviously, for doing that type of work. It's um, well, I have a five-day uh, weekend. Yeah. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> today is admissions day. Oh, that's oh, nice. Day. Oh, so you had today off too? Hmm? Oh, that's right. You had today off too, didn't you? I have today off, and I have Monday and Tuesday off. Monday for Labor Day, and Tuesday for Rosh Hashanah. Oh. So. Yeah, but Monday, admissions day. What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's one of the it's one of those stupid holidays. Hey, don't rock the boat. I know, but <laughs> but you know what? We need that teachers. It's been so stressful the last three weeks. Having another five days off after being back, it's good, and the kids as well. Yeah, it, just, it helps them reset. And okay, I I've been back. I was able to do it, and I'll be able to do it again. Right. So, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, where can people, I mean, are you, are you available on social media? Where can people see you, follow you? I am on the you? book face. I am on the okay. book face. Okay. Uh, isn't that what you kids call it? Yeah. Uh, kids, kids, we have kids. Kids call it. And, uh, I tell my students, I invented the internet and I invented paper. Yeah. And, uh, so, I, so they can. Right on both sides of the paper, kids. When I invented paper, I invented it with two sides. And I put the lines on there for you. So, yeah, I am on, on Facebook. You know, get Kevin Dooley. Search me up. I'm... I didn't do that. There we go. There <laughs> is Speed Racer right out there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much oh, uh, for Mr. your time. I, I, I'm not joking when I say I could have talked to you for another hour. You are a pleasure to talk to, um, if for no other reason than the fact that, you know, you were very pivotal in my adoration for uh, Green Lantern. In your and, youth? In my yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back when I had hair. Why, why is Orrin, when I say uh, in your youth, Orrin laughed, like, what is that? Hey, we're the same, <laughs> Joe and I are the same age. We're both 43. Yeah, we're the same, you know. I'm just falling apart faster. well it's been been a pleasure uh talking with you i mean i love talking about this stuff i i loved comics ever since i was a kid i still love comics uh even now so it's a a, i think what i did there was was i'm very proud of it proud to have worked with so many incredibly talented people and uh created something that yeah, I don't know if it's, it could be called the Dooley legacy, but it, it is definitely something that I'm proud of because 
it, it entertained. It, it told great stories. Yeah. It, it said something. And I got to meet, you know, so many, you know, wonderful and work with so many wonderful people, including some people who are my, who are my idols. And, uh, uh, I still got that. Still got that. Welcome back, everyone. That was our interview with Kevin Dooley. Uh, what did I tell you? Just an absolute pleasure to talk to, right? Uh, funny, cool. Uh, I, I could talk to him all day, but I mean, we say that all the time. But I mean, look, if he lived close to me, I'd probably hang out with the guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He's uh, an awesome, awesome dude. Uh, great stories, great personality. Uh, just uh, one of those people that you come across and you're like, wow, this is a this is a real treat to to t- listen to him yeah you guys are making me feel bad that i wasn't <laughs> part of the interview um and now i want to go to kevin dooley's house and knock on his door and introduce myself uh which maybe i'll do um but uh great interview guys uh solid guest um really interested to you know hear more from him uh, maybe we'll have him on again maybe we'll just follow him on social um sounds like a really good guy so that'll do it for this week of Dollar Bin Bandits. Uh, you can find us on all the socials. You can find us on Gmail, dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. You can find us at our houses if you can find us, but don't even try because we are well hidden. Um, you know, rate, review, subscribe. Please listen. Please tell your friends. Please tell your enemies. Tell your frenemies. This is Dollar Bin Bandits. We will see you next time. The Dollar Bin Bandits are Oren Phillips, Joe Marcello, and Mike Farah. New episodes release every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on all the socials at Dollar Bin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram, at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollar Bin Banter group on Facebook. You can email us at dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website, dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com. Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S.com. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos. <laughs>